But anyhow, we've been talking on the church of Ephesus and, and, or the seven churches in Revelation. And we talked on the church of Ephesus the first week and they were, you know, working hard and, but they had lost their first love for Christ on Revelation 2, 4. Uh, the church of Smyrna was the second week and, and they were facing much poverty and persecution for their belief. And that was in uh, Revelation 2, 9. And then the church of Pergamum, we spoke about that lived under the political shadow of the Roman proconsul and experienced political pressures that resulted in deadly persecution. We talked about that last week. Uh, this week, we're talking about the church of Thyteria. And, and it had done some good work. But we're being influenced by a false doctrine that jeopardized their existence as a ministry. And, and that's what I wanted to, to really get into today is this church and, and um, the church of Thyteria. Um, a lot of authors or commentaries would say that it was a church dealing with corruption and things like that. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But when we go through these seven churches, so many times that uh, some of the older school are like, yeah, get them, pastor. Get them, get them, get them. When, and I, I hope we don't take it as a get them sermon. Uh, Christ came to these churches because he loved them. And, and he came to them and showed them their error so that they could repent and change their ways and continue on to eternal life. Uh, wouldn't you want to know if you were doing something wrong that Christ would check you and your spirit so that you could have an opportunity to repent and change your ways? Christ did this because he loved us. Christ did this because he cared for us. And in any way, we need to realize today as we're going through this book, that, that these books and the things that Christ spoke to these churches, I believe they're apparent in life today as well. And that's the reason we're, main reason we're going over them is because you can see them in our communities and areas. And we need to be aware of that. And, and if we're involved in it, repent. But if we're not involved in it and we see it going on in the community, then we can help others to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I hope you don't go out of here uh, taking this as a hate message and a, and a browbeaten message when it's a message that Christ loves us. And you're even going to see when you read the scripture here that Jezebel, that Christ was so strongly upset with, and he's going to say some harsh words to her, but you'll note in there that he gave her a time to repent. He gave her a time, a season to work through these things. And God just doesn't cast us out, but our time and season, guys, is why we live here on this earth. And we're working things out. It said in the Bible, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Respect, in other words. Work out your salvation with respect towards God and what he says and, and so that, that you will have that eternal life. So as we move into that today, let's read, and I've said it two or three times where we're at, but out of Revelation 2, 18 through 29, and I'm in the New King James Version today. But again, Revelation 2, 18 through 29, and to the angel of the church in Thyteria write, these things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. So he's bragging them up here. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Uh, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, 
to teach and to seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eating things sacrificed by idols. Now, I think he's literally talking about sexual immorality, meaning physically, but also I think he's talking about spiritual uh, sexual immorality. And I want to keep that in your minds today as we go through this, because we can be committing sexual immorality as Christians today. In other words, anything you love more than God is an idol. And, and if you love them more than God, you're committing sexual immorality by putting them in front of God. And so just a thought. Verse 21, and I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will call her children, or I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I'll give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyteria, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel. As I also have received from my father, and I'll give him the morning star. Who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the seven churches. Again, as I struggle through reading this, the things that are going through my mind is you wouldn't believe how Satan's attacked my mind and my thoughts, my week, I think, to keep this word from going out today. And I think that, that we need to be very aware of what's being said today. And I, I challenge you as we pray here to clear your minds and to focus on what God's called us to be. And so, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we just lift this time to you. Father, we lift this word to you. Father, your word says your word won't come back void. Father, your word's uh, sharp as a double-edged sword. It'll cut to the deepest inner thoughts, Lord, to the deep things. And, Father, I ask that you minister to us today and through us today. And, Father, I ask that only things that are from you are remembered today and nothing else is remembered, that we focus and we dwell on what you put upon each and every heart here today as individuals. And, Lord, we give you glory, honor, and praise for what you've done and are doing in this body. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, this letter starts out to the angel of the church in Thyteria. And, and again, I'm going to really hit the next two points, probably the rest of the time that we're talking about this, because I think it's that important. Angel here means a human messenger or angel. One sent is a special, on a special mission, one dispatched to perform a special assignment, a delicate or dignitary, the role of a pastor, a messenger of God. And this quote's from Rick Renner commentary. And again, guys, I've studied a lot of commentaries this week, a lot of Rick Renner, a lot of different things, a lot of Maxwell. And so most of what I say is other people's thoughts, but the Lord just turned them on me today, and I've put them in my own words. And so uh, keep that in mind as we go through this today. Uh, but again, uh, the, the, I believe the Lord speaks through the pastor of the church. And I believe he comes to this pastor to speak a word to the people. And I believe that's what's going on this next six or seven weeks that the Lord came to me and said, Ken, I want you to go through these things. And you don't know how hard it's been to, to, to veer away from them and not spend time on them. But I really believe the Lord wants us to review these things. And so I ask that you honor that today. 
But again, it said to the church. And church means a called out, separated, prestigious assembly. A prestigious assembly of distinguished citizens who determine law, debate public policy, formulate new policies, argue and, and rule in judicial matters, elected chief magistrates, and decided who should be banished and who, who shouldn't. And again, I just can't, as the Holy Spirit revealed this to me last week, it just eats my insides. It's so powerful to me that the Lord saw, and again, let's pop them maps up there. Let's just do that right now. But, but this is the maps of the seven churches. I've been wanting to do that. Last week, we're down the other church, and, and we're working here. But these are the seven churches. And we got Ephesus 1, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, uh, Philadelphia, Laodicea. Guys, this is modern-day Turkey. This is Asia. And, and anyway, Asia Minor, back in biblical times, and these are the cities. And the Lord's really been hitting me this week also. What's going on in Turkey, and how does it reflect you know, what the end times are about. You guys said in the last days, man, I, I think we're there. You go back to Ezekiel chapter 32, 33, 34, uh, um, or, and, and read those chapters and compare what the towns and cities are today, man, they're all in there. And, but anyway, there's never been a time that Turkey and Russia haven't been against each other and they're in bed together right now. I mean, I could go on and on about end times right now if you want to talk about end times. Christ is coming back soon, and we need to be aware of that. But these were the seven churches. And if you notice, they're, you know, 20, 30, 40 miles apart. And, 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 but what the point that the Lord really has burned in me, that each one that we go through, God by the Holy Spirit, Jesus by the Holy Spirit, came to the Apostle Paul and said, hey, there's a problem in Ephesus. We need to go plant a church there to win people to Jesus Christ. Hey, there's a problem going on in Smyrna. We need to go there and plant a church at the gates and feet of Satan to win people to Jesus Christ. Hey, there's a church in Pergamos. Man, it's a footstool of Satan. It's a seat of Satan. That's where he's living right now. And we need to go plant a church there. And then now the church of Thyatira, Christ saw the need that people needed him, that people needed a saving grace, the gospel, the freedom that sets them free, and he planted a church there. That's what the church is about. That's what we are about. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Christ himself said he would build his church where the gates of hell was right reigning at where they were thriving to win people to Jesus Christ. And guys, Oakton was set here in this community, I believe with all my heart, because it was a stronghold of Satan and, and Christ wanted him out and we're to win people to Jesus Christ. Man, there is, there is so many in Barton County that need to be saved, that need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And God has planted a church with a pastor that's giving you the message. And we need to go and get these people. God has called us to Carthage to plant a church where the gates of hell are at. And coming against a population of people and begin to speak into them the life of Christ. And again, I don't know for whatever reason or how we're going to do it. I know the reason, but how to do it on Golden City. God has told me the same thing. There needs to be a church that's preaching the gospel. And I'm not saying there's not ones there because there are. But that's what the church is about. What we are about is to go into these places to tell others about Jesus Christ and to win them to him. That's the church. And we're, we're the ones supposed to be setting the stage. 
We're the ones that are supposed to be terminating law and doing all the things. We're supposed to be leading the building of the kingdom of God. The charge conference that we're getting to do tonight that nobody probably wants to go to. That's what we're doing. We approved for 2020 what we're going to be doing as a church. We just approved the, the, the financials. We've approved teams that are going to be over the responsibility to go into all the world. We're going to be approving those teams tonight that the nominations have given us. We've gone through care teams, the membership and everything to look at the care of our people and to see those that we need to do things with. That's going to be approved tonight. And again, the nominations team on down to trustees, the the goals and plans of the trustees down on into evangelism and mission, how we're going to build the kingdom of God. That's what charge conference is. That's a governing part of the church. That's very important because we're supposed to be leading the world, the church. The church, all the churches in Barton County, all the churches in in Jasper County, that's what we're called to do. That's our charge. That's what we're about. And that just excites me because so many times we think, oh, the church was there and Satan come in and oh my gosh, we're so defeated. We're down and out. Uh Uh-uh. I'm not a dead Christian. I'm alive and well. I'm alive and well. Pastor Larry is talking about in his Sunday school class today that you are to carry the message of Jesus Christ. You have all authority in Matthew 28 to, to go into the world, as Mark 16, 15 says, and it tells you all the signs and wonders that are going to follow you. Five, because John 14 says you're going to do even more in my name because I've gone to the Father. Get that? You'll do even more in his name. All authority has been given to the church, to you. To make a difference in the world. So as we move into this today. The history of the church of Thyteria. And again we removed, we reviewed the maps. But I want you to notice on the map. Where Thyteria sets number four. And, and the reason it was put there. And we'll get into here in a minute. But, but the, the, the church of, or the city of Thyteria. Was a military outpost where thousands of military soldiers lived. And, and, and what the, the reason was, is they were to the defender of Pergamum uh, from the rich armies of the east. And so what we're seeing here is, last week we talked about per- Pergamum and how powerful and influential it was, how it was all the great riches, all the great things, and, and how even the Roman uh, uh, leader if you will, the Roman government over the Asian minor that was established there was in Pergamum. All that was this main city and Thyteria was built. I mean, it was already there, but was built up and refurbished and strengthened to protect Pergamum and the wealth. That's why Thyteria was built. And so there was thousands of soldiers there. There was lots of going on in Pergamum. It may, because of all this, there was money dumped in to Pergamum, the government, the, the rich people of Pergamum were dumping money into Thyteria, and it became a commercial center. Uh, lots of things going on there. Lots of movement going on there. When you think about that, thousands of soldiers, they need tents, they need housing, they need food, they need animals, they need clothing, they need plates, they need all the things that you can think about to survive and so Pergamum was shooting money there. They were shooting riches there. The government was supporting them. And Thyatira turned into this great commercial center. Very small, but a great powerful little city. They produced much revenue. 
Lots of wealth. Very political place. Because of that, trade guilds were set up. We know them today as unions. They were established and they were organized. They were so organized, they uh, cornered the working market. This presented a problem to the Christians. If you weren't part of this guild or this union, then you couldn't get a job. If you're a vendor and you weren't part of this union or these guilds, then they would run you out of business eventually. And so that kind of put the Christian in a hard place. It it put them in a bad place if you want to get down to it. You know, it's down to the point where do I work and feed my family and give in to these guilds or do I go ahead and, 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 and walk away from them? And you're looking at me like right now, well, what's the big deal about a union? These unions, again, believed in pagan gods. These guilds, each one had their own individual pagan god. And go back and study stuff in Greece and in that area back then, all the pagan gods they had. Well, each group or each union had their god that they worshipped. And you were expected to go in there and get on your knees and worship their god. That was a requirement. You're made to drink and participate and, and to the point of debauchery that we read in the scripture. And debauchery means to give in to sensual things, which again means sexual immoralities and orgies. And so for them to work, they had to do these things. They had to be a part of these guilds. And they had a choice to make. Could you imagine it just becoming a Christian and knowing if you accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, that you loved him so much that you couldn't bow down to another God, that you were sacrificing your job? That if you didn't bow down to another God and, and booze it up and get drunk and have sexual immorality with these people, that, that you would lose your job? Or, or why would you even want to get saved? That's how the power and the spirit of God was so strong in that area. People were getting saved and they were walking away from their jobs. They were starving. They were hungry. They were looking for ways to make income for their families because they wanted to stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that was the problem in Thyteria. But Thyteria had allowed Jezebel to exist in the church. And, and, and this, is what, this is what this is about. The word says in Revelation 2.20, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and the things sacrificed to idols. So what was going on here is, is that the reason Jesus was confronting the Jezebel in the, in the church of Thyatira is because she was going to the people and telling them, hey, it's okay to go in and worship the pagan gods. Hey, it's okay to go over here and get drunk. Hey, it's okay to, to get caught up in orgies and sexual immorality. God has blessed you with this job, and God has given you this job. You don't have to compromise that. And doesn't that sound like the world today? Oh, that's just them. That's not me. That's just them. But Jesus used the word here that they allowed, meaning they embraced her in the scripture. But he also uses the word seduce. And seduce here means to to a deception, a moral wondering. Depict a person or nation that has veered from a solid past as a result of veering morally. That person or nation is adrift. 
It depicts a lost animal that cannot find its path to morally lose one's bearings. So Jezebel, she was coming in to this church and she was preaching at him, hey, keep your jobs, get on your knees, worship the other gods, enter into drunkenness, enter into sensual pleasures, enter into sexual immorality. It will be okay. God will forgive you. God wants to bless you. His grace is sufficient for me. How many times do we hear that very same thing today? But this Jezebel, this woman was a very powerful figure in the church. Because of this power here, many scholars believe Jezebel was the pastor's wife. If Jezebel was a pastor's wife, then the pastor must have been comparable to Ahab in the Old Testament. So here we see that Jesus compares this this lady, Jezebel, to an Old Testament figure. And we're going to talk about her later. But this Old Testament figure, Jezebel, had a husband named Ahab that allowed her to run rampant through the church. Allowed her to seduce the church. So that kind of breaks down that scripture for you there today. The oldest manuscripts on Revelations 20 or 2.20 actually say, one of the oldest manuscripts actually say, because you permit your wife, Jezebel. And so we need to keep that in mind today. But regardless, this pastor, this church allowed Jezebel to run rampant in their facilities. So let's learn a little bit more about the Old Testament, Jezebel and Ahab. And we can see that in 1 Kings 16, 29 through 31. You can start there. And guys, we're not going to go through it all. But I challenge you to go home and read 1 Kings 16 through 19 through 20 through 22. But it talks about Ahab and Jezebel. But we see that Ahab reigned in Samaria 22 years. He did evil in the sight of God. He married Jezebel of the, the Sidonians, which is a foreign land who worshiped Baal. How many times does God tell you not to marry those unequally yoked to you? Huh? That's scripture. Well, that's what Ahab had done. And she brought in her Baal worship, and she brought in the things that she believed in and began to influence Ahab, Israel, which represents Israel represents the church. Israel represents the people of God. And so the same thing that Christ is saying about the church of Thyatira is what happened in Israel in 1 Kings 16. We see here that Jezebel threatened to kill Elijah in 1 Kings 19. Actually, any move of God, uh, Jezebel tried to thwart it. There was a great move of God and, and, and Elijah run before the horse back to the kingdom. And it had to have been 30 to 40 miles in front of a horse running. That's a pretty good clip. He must have been under tremendous anointing. And then when he gets back, Jezebel finds out and she tries to kill Elijah. And so we see that, that she didn't want to see a move of the Spirit go on in the church. We see also that, that she tore down the altars of God and the prophets of God were in hiding. And she killed many prophets of God. Now, I'm not rattling off the scriptures because I think they're behind me. And again, she believed her voice was more powerful than Elijah's. And that's a scary thing. That a person, again, Pastor Larry's Sunday school class, that we think we know more than God, that this world has gotten to the point, scholars, biblical scholars have gotten to the point where they think they know what word's right and what word's wrong. Meaning the Bible isn't the word of God anymore, but these scholars. 
Man, we, this world is turning into Jezebel's like you wouldn't believe. Jezebel killed a man for his land, you can read about in 1 Kings 21, 9 and 30. Jezebel was full of rebellion, 2 Kings 9, 22 through 30 says. But she was guilty of sexual immorality, meaning breaking off spiritual, spirituality with God. Breaking Israel and her husband and Israel away from the Lord. The prophet Elijah's opinion of Ahab and Jezebel can be found in 1 Kings 18, 18. You and your families are troublemakers. For you have refused to obey the commandments of the Lord. And have worshipped the images of Baal. That's where Thyteria got the name the corrupt church. Corrupt means a willingness to act dishonestly in return for money and personal gain. So we can see what Christ was talking about here. We can see the comparison to the church back then, to the church of Thyteria and the church today. Again, Jesus' spirit was upset with Jezebel. And we want to talk about that. God's spirit was upset with Jezebel here in the reading today. We see in the reading today that, that God even, uh, pro- they prophesy over her death. We see in Thyteria that Jesus even prophesied over her if she didn't repent, she too would die a horrible death in her family. We can see that God was upset with this Jezebel spirit, that Christ is upset with Jezebel spirit. But again, today I remind you, and I want to bring us back a little bit, that the result of repentance is life. Jezebel in the Old Testament, Jezebel in the New Testament, both of them could have repented. But the result of an unrepentant heart is death. And death is eternity without God. Jezebel reaped the harvest. We will reap the harvest of what we sow. She, her harvest was a sickbed and death. And that will be ours if we don't stay close to Christ. But Jezebel made her choices. The church of Thyteria made their choices. And we are making our choices. Six things that God hates. I want to read this scripture to you. And this here, I did pull from Rick Renner and I may butcher it. But guys, this is really cool. God's word is so alive and so real and ties together like you wouldn't believe. But Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are abomination to him. The Lord hates a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift into running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. We see that Jezebel did most all the things that God hated. Again, we can see in in 1 Kings 21, 23, that there's a prophet came in and prophesied over her that because you have not repented, the dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jerel. Jezebel's death was fulfilled in 1 Kings 9.33. And this is what I want you guys to get here today. They threw her down from a roof. Horses trampled her. In verse 36, dogs ate her flesh. As the prophet said... As the word of the Lord said, in other words, what God says will happen. But verse 35 is the one that caught my ear. 
It says, so they went to bury Jezebel, but found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. What does God hate? Did you ever wonder why the dogs didn't eat the head, the feet, and the hands? You probably aren't psycho like me and thinking this way. But if it did, it crossed my mind. Why did they not eat at all? Why, why was that part saved? Because the head represents a proud look, a lying tongue, a false witness, spiritual lies. That all comes from the head. The hands are obvious they were quick to shed blood. The feet were obvious they were swift to do evil. The dogs didn't even because they're not only an abomination to God, they're an abomination to the dogs. It made them sick. And that just stood out to me today. And as I was doing this study, that how it sickens God when we do detestable things because it hurts us and it hurts people. This next point I'm getting ready to add in, or a little bit of it here, it won't be on the board up there unless they added it in, but but the Lord really dealt with me this morning that Jezebel's spirit controls from the outside. It can be a wife, it can be a friend, it can be a parent, But it's any outside presence that manipulates. And manipulation is witchcraft. A Jezebel spirit controlled Ahab and tried to control Israel. 1 Kings 21, 25. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, had stirred him up. A Jezebel spirit tried to seduce and corrupt Thyteria. A Jezebel spirit will try to seduce and corrupt your lives, my lives, our family's lives, and this church life if we allow them to do that. A Jezebel spirit may try to, to, to make it okay to celebrate pagan holidays, to celebrate pagan gods like they did back in the day of Thyteria. And I'm even going to meddle a little bit more today. But Halloween, they say now, has jumped ahead of Christmas, a pagan holiday that we celebrate more than the birth of Christ. And we say, oh, it's no big deal for my children to do this. But you may be doing it right, but a lot of people celebrate witches and evil and reward their children with candy. Oakton never has participated in that, and we, we've always caught a lot of heat over it. And, and why are you making such a crazy stand? But it represents paganism. And, and we see what paganism leads to. And it may be harmless, but look at the effect it'll have in the end if we don't check things like that in our lives. That's why we do the Hallelujah Night as an alternative. A night that the kids can go out and worship the Lord because that's what this year is about is the harvest. And the celebration of what God has blessed us with. That's what Thanksgiving is. A lot of you have asked me, why don't you want the ghosts and the witches and the goblins on the candy we donate? That was Oakton's decision. But I agree with it. Because we don't want to support witches and goblins and ghosts. 
And I thought, what better stand to make for our kids? Oh, but it's a harmless holiday. Well, pastor, I don't do all that. I'm not telling you what to do. But I never went trick-or-treating, I don't think. I don't remember it if I did. Mom's shaking her head no. And it didn't hurt me. But the Lord told me to, and I can't say it like the Lord put it to me, but it didn't hurt me because she didn't let me do it. And so many times as Christians, we apologize and say, oh, it didn't hurt me. I'm okay. It didn't hurt me and I'm okay because she protected me from the things she thought was evil. I couldn't even watch the Bionic Man when it first came out. I had to sneak around to watch it. I don't even want to get into TV. But let's just look at six characteristics of a Jezebel spirit. And I think this is on the slide because I did have this. But they set out selfishly to build their own kingdom. They used people in order to get ahead. Anyone was expendable. They worried about image and lived under false pretenses. They sulked and got angry when they didn't get their way. They pretended to be someone they were not. They abused authority they had been given. I'm trying to decide whether to say more. But in the, at least in the Spanish culture that I deal with at Carthage, I've been to many houses praying over the deliverance of demons and, and things in the houses because they couldn't sleep at night. And Pastor Embar's called me down to pray with him and to, to do this many times. And, 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 and that, the Spanish culture is very serious about this. And I respect the Spanish culture and, and on, on some things they believe like that, especially. And they don't even want an ounce of that in their homes. And they, they, uh, they believe in Satan, but they believe in God even more. And I sometimes wonder if it's because we really don't believe Satan exists. But, but I don't know how many times, if you've ever seen somebody delivered of a demon, you'll know what I'm talking about. But the point that I go into next is there will never be peace where a Jezebel spirit resides. How can there be peace as long as idolatry and witchcraft of your mother Jezebel are all around us? That's 2 Kings 9.22. How can there be peace as long as idolatry? In other words, anything you worship more than God. And witchcraft of your mother Jezebel are all around us. In closing today, um, first off, I'm not for sure, I'm not even insinuating pastor's wives or Jezebel's, and especially my own. Uh, my own is, I'm going to be taking out of here tomorrow, and, and she's taking me, we're flying to Minnesota, and we're going to watch the Vikings play this Thursday night on Thursday night football. And I told her, I, I go, honey, vacation isn't vacation to me, it wears me out. And she used some inheritance money she got from her mom and bought me a motel right beside the stadium where I can walk to the stadium. 
and, and has made it as painless as possible for me to enjoy a few days out. And so I'm not referring to her at all, and I hope you don't think I'm an Ahab and, and Karen's a Jezebel, because we literally bleed and, and die for you guys. But, but again, as I said last week, the church, the church, when they're working in coherence with the pastor, we're clicking. And it takes us all to be the church. But Gary Dumb sent out a, an email, and if the praise team want to go ahead and come up, that'd be great. Um, I'm really trying to make a conscious effort of being done at quarter till, not so you can go home, but so the Lord will have time to work at the altars, and I keep seeming to go past that. Because the most important thing is what God does during the prayer times here. Or one of the most. The word's important. But Gary Dumb sent this out uh, Thursday night. Or, you know, actually this was Tuesday. But I was working on this. And boy, it just hit. Now remember, I just read about that. How can there be peace as long as there will never be peace where there's a Jezebel spirit. Gary sent this out. My people, there must be a proper order to all that you do. That order will bring peace and harmony to you and to others that you are involved with. And order how you conduct yourself. Do you get that? And order how you value others. And order how you relate to the Holy Spirit and his spiritual gift. So loving God and loving people. And order as how you will fellowship together. Love is the driving force to proper order. As a member of a body, love should be the motivation for valuing others higher than yourself. Love will bring purpose and unity to accomplish what I call you to do individually and collectively. To be a force for good and the building of the kingdom. Love is the catalyst. Let love be the motive for all that you do. So as we close out today... Let's remember that we need our goals to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind and love our neighbors as ourselves. Today, remember that Jesus loves you and I speak the words that I speak today, not to browbeat you or to beat you up or to to make you feel bad, but a time to let you examine yourself to see, is this spirit in our lives? And I'm not saying in you, but I mean attacking you, coming against you. Because I guarantee you, there's Jezebel spirits all around doing that. Causing us to cheat on God, if you will. To give in, it's okay, God will bless us, he will forgive us. Man, he loves me. It's grace. Christ gave us a warning. He gave Jezebel a warning, he gives all of you a warning. Because he loves us so much. He gives us life. And I'm going to close with this. Jeremy Ruddick said it perfectly yesterday. He said in men's prayer breakfast, by the way, the third Wednesday or third Saturday of each month at seven o'clock, the men get together. Jeremy shared last week, but he shared men's prayer breakfast, how Jesus had got his heart and Jesus was the best thing that ever happened to him. But he went on to say that, 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 He's happier than he's ever been. But he went on to say that he used to play drums in front of thousands of people each week. He used to drum for people. 
and he never found the happiness and the fulfillment that he needed. And he joins the praise team and drums on Sunday morning and got in a relationship with the Lord and has given his time and his time and his talents. In other words, he's prioritized his life and he said he's never been happier. He's never been happier. You see that Jezebel spirit to him could have been that other. It could have been this, could have been that. But that doesn't matter now. He realized that God just needed to be number one in his life. And he touched his life. And that should be a a great testimony for all of us here today. Because that's my testimony. Jezebel convinced me at one time that this world was more important than Christ. And I became a, a very wicked person for a time and, and did some things that I'm not proud of. And it's been hard on me to minister in this community because of some things that I've did in the past. One of you the other day called me and said that a, one of my best friends that you had been ministering or talking to him and, and you, he knew me. And, and, and that, that I thought I'd shoot him a text. But, but a lot of people just remember the old Kent and not the Kent that I am today. And, and the guys, there's, I'll never forget the life I gave, that I gave my life back to Christ. I was driving back out to home, which home was where Rick Morgan lives. And I was driving home and I could feel the heaviness gone, the peace upon my life. And I just said, Lord, I'm back forever. And I've never looked back. But Jezebel spirits constantly try to lure me away. It's the same as they did then and the same they're doing to you. We've got to learn to stand. But you've got to determine what those things are. I can't tell you. Uh, and don't run out here saying, Kent said, I've got to do this, this, and this. The Holy Spirit will tell you what you need to do. You just need to follow the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you to look at your lives. Amen? These altars are open. I'll pray for you about anything that you want prayer for today. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, guys, that's your warning. The word says if we don't repent and accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we will go to hell. And it's not by God's choice. God's choice is that you choose Jesus. That's why he sent his son. Man, Jesus was in heaven. He came after us. So when I say repent and accept Jesus as Lord, that's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believeth in him should not perish, go to hell, but have eternal life. That's the same word he was given the church back then. Man, you got things in your life you need to work on. Don't wait till you get to heaven and say, I should have done this, I should have done that, I should have done this, because it's going to be too late. So if you're not saved, let's choose Jesus today. And I want you to come to me if that's the case. But otherwise, these altars are open today. Please come.